In today's episode, we're speaking to Sean Maslick. Sean has is a financial wellness advocate, a podcaster, and a father. During the last 15 years, Sean has been delving into the frustrating but fascinating world of personal finance. While in university, Sean was fortunate to make a decision that has forever changed his relationship with money. He decided to pause his last year of university and travel around the entire globe for a year with his wife. Together, they spent less than the price of a used compact car, and this experience forever changed his relationship with money. And today, Sean is going to be talking to us about how he changed his life by changing his mindset. Let's find out. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame, and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession, or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And today I'm so excited. We've got Sean Maslick. Welcome, Sean. Thank you very much for having me, Gul. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for coming. It's been a, it's, I, I was a guest on your show and I'm so excited to have you as a guest on mine. And from the intro, you are amazing. But in your own words, Sean, tell everybody what it is that you do. Well, Gul, I, I, at times I'm still trying to figure out what I do. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, by profession, I'm a financial planner. However, I would say over the last five years, I've been trying to really develop more awareness on myself and the role and the reason why I became a financial planner. I, mm. I, certain parts and experiences in my life made me start to question and seek to be a little more curious in mm. terms of why I was doing the things that I was doing. Um, I was very, very, I still am very, very good at distracting myself and avoiding looking at the bigger questions on, on why am I doing things? And so, so what, what do I do? I I'm a, I'm a certified financial planner. Um, but right now I'm really exploring. Yeah. Like I said, myself through my podcast, I, I host a podcast called the most hated F word, where we look at the intersection of money, money, our minds and what matters most. And this has been a journey that was completely unexpected. However, it's taught me so much about myself. And that's something that as a financial planner, I think sometimes we omit or forget. Um, when I look at myself, why I got into this business, it was very much driven from my ego. I wanted to make money. I wanted to um, be recognized and seen by making money. It felt good mm -hmm. when people were like, Oh, Sean, look what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And it really perpetuated. And I'm speaking from Canada in the winter. So I'm going to use a snowball analogy, but uh, those, those feelings just started perpetuating growing like a snowball. Mm -hmm. If you've ever been in Canada in the winter, you could roll a snowball and it gets bigger and bigger. And it just seemed to progress and things were going really, really well. Yeah. Our business was growing and I just started to really, I guess, lean into some fears of wondering why I'm doing what I'm doing. And to use a silly analogy, it's like I opened up the fridge and it was just like this big, big uh, awakening, I guess, that maybe I'm doing things from a dysfunctional or a 
a manner that I wouldn't be proud of when I'm 90 years old looking back mm-hmm. at my life. What an interesting story. And I, I do understand that point. When you start something like a podcast where you are actually thinking you're going to be doing something else, like providing a service or interviewing people, and then you end up opening up parts of yourself that you weren't even expecting to. I know that I, I follow a similar journey. When I when I first started with the podcast, I was teaching about various things and I've always kept myself very, very open, very vulnerable. But now it's got to the point because every Monday I give a topic, I talk about a topic that's close to me or a life lesson that I've learned over the, pre- over the previous week. I find it's more become more of a vlog, <laughs> um, you know, because I'm sort of like, okay, I've made this mistake, don't make it, or I've made this, or this is, this is a realization I came across. But it is, it's very much a personal journey. And it's funny when you sort of take off all the layers of all, all the intellectual ones, the emotional layers start coming to the surface. And that's where the aha moments and the real shifts come from. And, you know, they, they say the best way to, to learn is to teach. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I, I'm learning more about myself every single day when I'm trying to teach others certain concepts or certain things that, you know, that, that I came across in my life. And every time I explain it, I find it sort of, I understand it better. And I have a better grasp of why I behave in a certain way or why I reacted in a certain way, which I think is amazing. And it, it, I think it, it, it takes quite a lot of self-awareness to be even become aware of that point. Mm-hmm. So uh, congratulations on, on doing that. So let's come back to you then. So what do you think made your financial plans? What kind of conclusions have you realized that what, you know, and, ha- you know, and are you still acting as a financial planner or have you you know pivoted to something else apart from, you know, having a podcast? Tell us what, what's the realization that you've come to? Yeah. So I am still an active financial planner. I'm a certified financial planner. Um, I've been in the industry for over 10 years. But what got me become a financial planner, I, I would have told you uh, five years ago or, or like three years ago, oh, well, I, I like money. Mm-hmm. But what, what I realized when you talk about that self-aware, when you said self-awareness and emotions, it really <laughs> got me thinking to your question of what got you as a financial planner. Now I realize what really got me at become a financial planner. And it took a lot of self-awareness. Mm. But um, when I when I was a kid, I was told that I was shy. Uh, I was super shy. I, I, I didn't use my voice. I never thought people wanted to hear my voice. I, yeah, I was frightened all the way up to high school, into university. I'd be afraid to do presentations. I, I remember my first presentation and just petrified. I was sweating and I mumbled the whole thing so that no one would hear me. Mm. And this, this was quite impactful. However, I went into the business world as a in finance, then I fell my way to financial planner. Hmm. And it was a really good way to fulfill an unconscious belief I held about money that was unconscious to me just until a couple of years ago. But as a Canadian kid who loved hockey, I looked up to hockey players. They they seemed to be happy. They had all this money. You would watch these TV shows going through their houses and you'd hear them signing these million dollar contracts. Hmm. And I was like, wow you know what? I was a good hockey player. And I, I I felt like hockey and money were my key to be seen, heard, and and really thought that was a way for people to hear my voice because mm. they did. Like when I played hockey, people were like, oh, good job, Sean. Good playing hockey. Mm. And then as I progressed into becoming an adult and going to university and working, that that feeling as I left playing hockey 
went to money. I started being able to make money for, uh, at a young age. Mm-hmm. I started getting uh, promotions and jobs. I fell into this rat race that I just didn't know I was participating in. I was chasing promotions. I was trying to be validated by mm-hmm. um, the bonus or the praise or the recognition that when I step back and realize it's all scripted to some degree. And I fell right into it. And it was my own inner child who wanted to be seen and heard that just Mm. loved the idea of money was his thing. In doing that, in the pursuit of helping my inner child be seen when I was an adult, I avoided emotions so much. I I ran marathons, Ironmans, uh, triathlons. I kept busy from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. unconsciously. And, Mm. you know, it's not like I was doing a whole bunch of, uh, on the surface, it looked like I was doing nothing wrong, but I just wasn't feeling feelings. And fortunately my wife, and I remember when we came together, I, I was like, I'm the finance guy. I'm going to deal with our money. And you're a nurse. Um, your parents really spoiled you when you were younger and let me handle the money. Very, very much fell into a insecurities and fear that, Hey, I might screw this up. So I want to take total control and fell into the role of this, like, toxic masculinity that the male has to hold everything. The male has to do everything. And it wasn't good. Like me and my wife, we've married for 14, 15 years, but the way we handled money wasn't good in the sense that I controlled it unconsciously because I was scared. And I tell myself it's because you're a professional, you do this for a living. She's a nurse. And so it was many of these little, like I'd call them breadcrumbs where there's something fall on the ground. I want to go seek to understand that more that, it really cracked open, I guess, my armor to be like, holy shit, Sean, you don't have this all figured out. Mm. And it was through that process, I started to realize what emotions were and really starting to embrace them and having the curiosity to understand myself before I tried to solve all these other problems that I thought I was doing such a good job in doing so. Mm. So that that w- that's what led me to be a financial planner is to really satisfied that inner child. And it did a good job. It made him feel heard. But what I've realized is that cycle is just continuing and continuing. Now I'm a father of two. I wanted to gain awareness on where this all started. And for me, it's been the most insightful journey I've ever had, the most insightful piece of information I've ever obtained around my personal finances. And I say that as a financial planner who has a few designations in technical financial planning. But what I really realized is we might know where we're going. Mm. Like if I get a buy an airplane ticket to Europe, I know where I'm going. But if I don't go to the right terminal, the right gate to leave, I'm not going to get there. And what I've realized is I had all the information and many of us do have all the information to where we want to go. Mm. But if we don't know where we're at, it's really difficult to move forward. And I, I started looking into a lot of doing a master's in positive psychology where we're integrating behavioral change with finances. Mm. And I've it just blown my mind how the way our beliefs and our values are such a strong indicator of our thoughts and behaviors. And I realized as a financial planner, and I speak for many that we shamed so many people. And I say this because there's psychological barriers that are blocking people from implementing whatever information we give them. And we sit there and talk to them. Why aren't you saving more? Oh, look how much you need to save until you're 65 unspoken. You're saying you're screwed almost. And Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, for me, it's really, really moving towards what are those beliefs that are holding us? What psychological barriers are we preventing us from 
implementing our financial goals or whatever goals we have mm. and really aligning them with our basic psychological needs. Because I think that's what it comes down to. Money is for a long part of history, human history, money's been around. It's changed forms. It'll continue to change forms. Yeah, of course. But what I'm realizing, the one thing that won't change is our human condition to seek to have those basic psychological needs met. And we use money to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that was a long answer. I'm sorry, Gal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad you said that because it made me think that you're absolutely right. We have to have, um, and yeah, I was, I always give the analogy of, of, a, of a taxi. You get into a taxi or a cab, you need to, you know, first of all, you need to know where you are. Right. And then you should tell your, your cab, you know, your type, your, your cabbie where you want to go, but you need to know, okay, I'm in, um, I'm in Manchester and it's going to take me four, three hours to get to London. If I have no clue and I think I'm, I'm in Edinburgh and I think I'm in Manchester, I'm trying to get to London in three hours. There's no freaking way I'm going to get to London in three hours. And the cabbie's going to think, what's wrong with you, woman? Right. It's, <laughs> it's that awareness of where am I, where am I at? I, and, and which way, I mean, maybe coming from Edinburgh to London isn't in three hours, isn't it, is an option for me. I need to get on a plane and get ahead in 45 minutes. And obviously it was over, over three hours with the, with the terminal check-in, but I can get here in three hours, but I have to do, use a different route. This would be, mm. this would be something which is analogy with you, you know, in terms of somebody comes to you, okay, they want to get to A to B using the current, um, you know, system, which is a cab, it's not going to get them there in three hours, but a different route will. But it, it's the self-awareness of where they are financially. And the problem is a lot of people don't even realize they have these subconscious blocks stopping them from even becoming aware of where they are. They chase the tail. They are always running after the next thing. They're always running after the next goal. They, they have burnouts, but they don't realize what's the cause of the burnout. So they think, oh, I've worked over hard. Well, why do you work so hard? You know, why do you need that validation? What stops you from, you know, giving yourself that validation? These are questions that we don't even stop to ask ourselves. And I've been guilty of it. And the only reason why I know this is because I know I've been guilty of it. I always say, I've made every, every mistake under the book and realized afterwards. I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. Now, when you look back at yourself, what mistakes would you say were the most prevalent for you? You know, what, which, which one comes to mind, which made you think, okay, now that is the thing that's, that's making me work this hard, or this is causing me to have toxic masculinity. Even becoming aware of the fact that you had toxic masculinity is a big thing. Cause a lot of most men walk around, have, they have it. And by the way, a lot more men have toxic masculinity than they realize because it's mm-hmm. culturally ingrained mm-hmm. becoming aware of that. And, and, you know, working on yourself is a, is a huge milestone, but what part of your, your behavior or what kind of beliefs became, you know, where you, did you become aware of that even brought this awareness to you? It was a long, it was a long journey of deciding to stop being so rigid. The rigidity mm. was keeping me stuck in my old unconscious thoughts and beliefs. Mm. And that rigidity kept me from being curious to seek to understand. Mm. And I think that was important to me. And that was through an accumulation of many things. But I've, what I realized is that my rigidity, me thinking that I'm this confident male business owner was really preventing me from living. 
and experiencing life. And it was that shift from rigidity to answer your question from rigidity, being so confident and you were bred to be confident, you know, mm-hmm. um, again, to our social contract on uh, constructs of a male business owner, you got to be confident. You got to lead your teams. You can't tell anyone how you're feeling. But when I start to shift the narrative to being like, I wonder what curiosity would allow for me. And if I could seek to understand before I open my mouth, what can happen? And Mm -hmm. for me, that's where the awareness, that's where the learning, that's where so many of the important lessons I learned. And it had nothing to do with me being this business owner and this successful individual. It had everything to do with just surrendering to, I don't know many things, Mm -hmm. but I want to understand. And when I started being able to do that, even like my personal relationships with my wife, things changed. It's like, wow, why, why are things seeming so easy around money? Not easy. No, I don't think money ever gets easy to some degree with our crazy psychological attachments to money. But things started to, and I became, became to understanding. I realized that my judgments were leaving because, man, do we get a lot of judgments when we are defensive and that was a big thing that I had is defensiveness because mm-hmm. that little inner shy kid didn't want you ever to think that uh, I was less than. And if he did, I'd be defensive and I'd throw mm-hmm. judgment out as a way to make me feel better. However, when I implemented that or started to be curious and seek to understand why I was feeling that, I started to gain awareness on, okay, that's just an emotional reaction. And yeah, so it was that rigidity that was the thing that made me want to see if there's an alternative way. Oh, that's amazing. And it's um, as I was listening to you, I was thinking how true that is for, I think, a lot of entrepreneurs. I think we we put we have this imposter syndrome which sits on our left shoulder and we have this idea of this people's perceived idea of who we are but since on the right shoulder and we're constantly balancing between the two or people what people perceive us to be and what we believe ourselves to be and we are constantly hoping and praying sometimes you're on our knees that the people don't see the the imposter that's on sitting on the left Mm -hmm. side of us and they completely believe the, the, the perception that they hold of us, which is on the right side. And I know that this is a fine balance that even I walk a lot of the time. I'm supposed to be this X, Y, and Z. And I have so many insecurities about myself. And I'm, I'm, I'm very open and aware of them. And I, I talk about them as much as I can, as, as, as I become aware of them. <laughs> I do talk about them. <laughs> yeah. And Yet there is, because I am a very successful business person and I'm teaching people about their mindset, it takes a lot of courage for me to admit, I still have money blocks. I still have things to overcome, but it takes courage to admit to myself, let alone to my clients or on something like on on a platform such as my podcast, to admit, Mm. I'm still making mistakes. I'm still making boo-boos. I still have to come up and brush myself off and carry on. I still make, I make so many mistakes. I'm a lawyer and I'm probably the, <laughs> the worst person when it comes to contracts. And I never bother reading my own contracts. I've read <laughs> so many that now I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, Cause I'm, yeah. I know if I need to, I always, I can always find loopholes. <laughs> I was good at that, <laughs> but it still is. Why would I need to, if I did my job in the first place, but I, and it comes to the point, you don't behave in a certain way for your clients, but for your own self, your subconscious behavior comes in, and makes you behave in a certain way. And this is why we need to work on our relationship money at a deeper level, not how I can make it through nine to five or through a business, 
but how do I truly feel about money? So how do you actually believe or what do you think you feel about money now now that you've done so much work and of course there's there's lots more to go but how comfortable are you with your relationship with money at the moment i just want to say in that last part you said about there's always work to go i'm a firm believer that this is an aspirational goal where we're always aspiring and never arriving Mm. kind of the mountain without a top Mm. now to ask answer your question I guess I can compare myself to my, my old self, my, my current yeah. money story to my old money story is, is that a much, um, it's a much healthier place now where, mm-hmm. and, and the, the interesting part goal is that at the time I can recall that I was enjoying like, like a very hedonic experiences. So mm-hmm. like I was enjoying going, whoops, sorry, going out for dinners and experiencing and traveling and doing these things that. I know that a lot of them are ego driven, but, but like, if we look at happiness, you can look at hedonic experiences mm-hmm. and then you dynamic experience, which is the evaluation of them. So in the moment I was enjoying them. So it's an interesting question because in the moment I was still enjoying myself. I mean, doing fun things is fun. Mm-hmm. It was the questioning, is this part of what I really want to do? I- am I doing this on these people's terms and not mine? Mm. Am I doing this because of my rigidity that's kept me thinking this is the way it is? Mm. And so when I evaluate my my money stories now, I feel like now I have some degree of control of my reactions to any sort of stimulus where before it was like, no, go. It was like, go, go, go. And that there for me is the biggest difference because I want to have some control. I mean, do we have control in this life? Who, who really knows? Mm-hmm. But I feel like I have some control in my reactions right now that do shape my future. So right now I feel like I'm a lot more, I have a lot more contentment towards money. So mm-hmm. like I'm content to some degree. And before I wasn't, I was always ruminating, thinking about it. We talk about uh, hedonic adaptation a lot where we, our bodies and as humans, as a way to survive and evolve, we adapted to our circumstances very, very well. Yeah. And with money, we know through research that we do a really, really good job aspiring to make X amount of money. And then when we make that, we adapt to that level and want more. Mm. That has changed a lot for me where I've been able to, I don't know if it's control, I'd be able to become more at peace with not wanting more and more and more. And I've realized at least for myself, and I can't say this is a universal trait at all, mm because there's no research, there's no academic research on this, but for me, it's been less is more to some degree hmm. um, because that means that I have to sit with myself and not be distracted by these other things and be okay with Sean. So hmm. right now I have a much healthier relationship with money and, and it really starts with, because I kind of awoken these money scripts that were unconsciously driving my thoughts, behaviors, and beliefs around money. Oh, what a powerful answer on that. I, I do agree. I think, I think these you need to know why you want to make money. I think that's a very, very important question. And um, and I say this, and some someone who's, I'm probably the most ambitious person I know. I've not, I've yet <laughs> to come across somebody who in my in my circle, where people I've interviewed, people I've spoken to, who are um, is anybody who's more ambitious than me. I have met I've very actually now met a couple of people, but they are amazing. And the drive I have for for money has. I'm really aware of why, and it's it's under, it's quite funny actually when I look upon it. There's um, and you know why what's driving me to to have the ambition to uh, to get to that level. It's got very little to do with what I want to do in my in terms of money is going to do for me because for my own interest, 
I mean, it's, I think my, I think they're, they're, they're normal, but they're not normal anyway. They're, they're normal by my standard. But, you know, a couple of million is enough. You don't, I don't need any more than that. I don't need to get a yacht. I don't need to get a mountain of gold. It's not necessary for my happiness. I know what I need. And that, me and a, with a nice Bentley and a nice car, I'm done. I'm cool. That's it, right? <laughs> but the reason why I have that drive is because of the legacy and the things that I want to leave behind, but not necessarily just for my kids, but for other children. So I have this, you know, the, the, I think I'm going to be the world's mother or something but there's a reason for that drive and you have to be aware of it why do you want it and i and i did a podcast uh, on my on my show a while ago you know know your why my first why is my kids best education best lifestyle best everything as possibly can and obviously making them good human beings the next why is um making sure i have a, a comfortable life which is not far I'm, I'm, I'm already there the third one but this is the most important one is what happens when i die what do I leave behind? What message am I leaving? And so forth. So it's that the bigger picture than, than myself. Now that's my personal picture. That's my personal dream. That's my personal thing. But I'm fully aware of why I want money. And it, and it, and it can be, by the way, it can be materialistic as well. I'm not saying you shouldn't have goals mm-hmm. to have those travel ideas, those, those dreams, those, um, you know, uh, having those material goods. I'm all for that. I mean, like I said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a toy person. I like cars, right? Mm-hmm. You can have all those, but you need to become very clear why. Why do you want cars? I know for me, I, I've got, um, you know, I think I was, you know, I was in need for speed. My, my brother was, grew up as a juvenile delinquent and he loved fast cars. I took on his, uh, his uh, mm-hmm. love for fast cars and, you know, craziness. That's where it comes from. There's a you have to be aware of yourself. Why do you want something? And this includes money. Unfortunately, too many people are walking around with other people's ideas of why they should have money and what they should do with it. And if they don't have money, what does that, does that mean about them? I think a lot of people want money for validation to mm-hmm. prove their self worth. And I always say. Your self-worth determines your net worth. Unfortunately, most people allow their net worth to determine their self-worth. And this is where we're stuck in a rut. Wouldn't you agree? I 100% agree. I 100% agree. And thank you for sharing your why. And, and I'm, I, I feel grateful that we had that chance to chat about your money story in my podcast. And I really appreciate what you're saying. And, and at no point... Money can be used as a, I hope no point what I was saying, money can definitely be used as a, a negative tool, but money in itself, to, this is going off your point, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's neither good or bad. It's just this it's thing not, that allows neutral. us, it's, it's neutral. neutral. And I think you're right. If, if we want to buy a Bentley or whatever material goods, often material goods get a bad, um, oh, you can't get any material, yeah, bad rep. But it, I am a hundred percent agreeing with you. It comes down to why am I doing those things? And, and you know, we look at there's some new research on happiness and money that's come out. It's like one hundred sixty thousand dollars is when um, the correlation between happiness and income start. And this need is this can't be applied across the world because of that course. is not fair. It was an American study, but they actually had international pieces. But the one hundred sixty was American, uh, anyhow. But that tells us that's a lot of money for people. Like that could be a lot of money. So people are still buying a lot of material things. So I agree. It comes down to why we're doing it. Money can be power if used in the proper ways, in a positive way. So 
I just wanted to echo your point. It, it's the why it's not money is the root of all evil because that's actually dysfunct. That's, that's a money script right there. That is exactly that is. And it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, it, it was a, I think the biblical um, phrase was the, the love of the, the greed of money or the love of money or something along those lines. And I actually think, you know, to be perfectly honest, I go, I, I push people's butt with the same side. I think um, the lack of money is a root of all evils. And if you think about it, all the places where, uh, where crimes and um, all, you know, all sorts of issues exist is in poverty driven places because people believe there's no other way out. So they, you know, the, mm-hmm. the crime rate, the abuse rate is higher. I'm not saying it doesn't exist in, in affluent families. And of course it does, you know, but the, the, the amount, the percentages is a lot greater there. And, you know, for, for this reason, because people, I think money, when you don't have money, the stress just, you know, makes you all sorts of emotions come to surface. And that's where anger can breeds and, um, you know, malnutrition, you know, comes up. And there's so many issues that come out when you don't have money. So, mm-hmm. so that this is probably why the study was imp- important because you do need to have a certain amount of money to be happy. Mm-hmm. After yeah. a certain amount, it can, it can plateau over. It's fair enough because there's only so many cars you can buy and there's only so many houses you can buy. But after that, you know, you, it's something more greater is required. But until that point, you need to have money. But on that note, we're going to wrap up. So um, it's been a fascinating I, conversation. Go yeah, go ahead. I do. I I do want to say one thing, and I I I want to make it aware that I do come from a great place of privilege. I'm a middle aged male. Mm-hmm. I came from a good family. Yeah. And to your point around some people, this is a a conversation that unfortunately isn't reserved for everybody because they might not be at the level to even have these types of conversations because they're just trying to get food met, which is another exactly, yeah. issue in this world that needs to be solved. So I, I do want to recognize that I come from that place of privilege. Thank you for that. And I, I, I'm really glad that you recognize that because I think I think men, first of all, don't realize that being just being a man is a privilege compared to being <laughs> a woman. That's honestly, that's the first thing. And I know that in my culture, there is, but then add, add color to that. So be a brown or black or all the different shades in, the, in between. Being a person of color and being a woman of color, is <laughs> you have another set of um, obstacles in the way. But yeah. it's all part and parcel. And uh, that's another conversation. But thank you so much for being such an amazing guest for us. Tell us, how can we connect with you, um, Sean? How can we find you on the internet? Um, right now, I would say the best way is to on my website, the most hated F word.com. Um, and you'll find my podcast on there. And right now, a lot of my work is going into my podcast and uh, uh, some other projects that we're working on through integrating positive psychology with um, financial behavior change. So yeah, my website's the best. The podcast is there and everything. My contact information is all the most hated F word.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And we have to have you back on Mind Talkies, Sean. I think we need to pick your brains and ask you for some advice being entrepreneurs. So hopefully mm-hmm. you'll come back. But thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you so much, Gal. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to me and Sean today on Friday Feature. I will be back on another Friday Feature with an amazing guest um, who's sharing their story and telling us how they changed their life by changing their mindset. Until the next time we meet, this is Gal Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website www.gulkhan.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop. 
And if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money, then go and get my book, Laws of Money, from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.